If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. We're going to talk more about the power of faith. We've been, a few weeks ago, we started this, and we're just going to continue for a while. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you want, and it shall be done unto you. Father, in Jesus' name, let faith arise in your people that they come to another place today, another place of assurance and certainty that all that you promise is coming to their life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, we were talking about coming into faith is a really um, a... a um, it's not something that you can just kind of like ride on a bike in a way. It's something that Jesus had to teach his disciples over and over. God had to teach Abraham over and over because naturally we want to be natural. And God calls us into this place of faith where the invisible world is controlling the natural world. Most of us believe the natural world is controlling everything. But he wants us to come into this dimension of faith. And so we talked about coming into that dimension, and we used the, uh, the, the letters PIC, like picturing something, P-I-C. First, and we used Genesis 1 for this, pick, pick is, a P is to prepare. To come into faith, you have to prepare. You have to know what it is that you want. What do you want? You think, well, I just want what God wants. That's how religious people talk. There's a guy that is known in the Bible as Blind Bartimaeus. Now, if you can tell by his nickname, he got a problem. What is it? And other people call him the blind beggar. Let's just see. That's two problems right there. The blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And so he's crying out, son of David, have mercy upon me. And he's there begging. He's got his little cup out there. And he's begging and he's blind. He has no way to make a living except for begging. And Jesus walks over to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And you know, it's like you can almost hear, duh, I'm blind and I'm broke. But that doesn't mean anything to Jesus. Jesus said, tell me what it is that you want. Why is that important? Because you can't get into the realm of faith until you know what you want. What do you want? Don't try to be spiritual. Just go ahead and say it. I don't, you don't get the idea that blind Bartimaeus is some kind of church-going guy. But he has to come to something very simple like, you've got to begin with telling me what it is that you want. Let's just get real. What do you want? Don't get spiritual about it just be honest about it and so he says lord i want to see he said deal done and he got up seeing there was a there was a there was a, a big uh, pool that the angel would come in and stir up the water once a year and the first person in would get healed i don't even understand that but that's what happened and there's a guy that's been there 38 years 38 years i'm just barely over 38 that's a long time <laughs> 38 years, and he, you know, he has got more excuses than anything else. And Jesus asked him a question. He sees the guy and feels compassion for him. He says, okay, um, I love Jesus' question. Like, do you want to be healed? Now, here's a guy that's been through so many disappointments, he forgot what he wanted. And look, his excuses had become bigger than his desire to be healed. So here's what he says. He says to Jesus, he said, Jesus. Well, here's the deal. Every time for 38 years I try to get in the water, someone gets in ahead of me. You know, some people, they love their excuses more than their opportunity. Jesus is standing in front of you, and all you got is excuses. Some people become more comfortable with the reasons why they are where they are because they don't want to get up and fight for who they could be. 
they just get used to their excuses. Well, here's my excuses. You know, I was born black, or I was born a woman, I was born this, I was doing that, and then people hurt me, and then I got a divorce. Listen, if you're looking for a reason to disqualify yourself from the promises of God, you can do it. Well, God's just going to do whatever he wants to do. No, that's not how it works. God's not going to do whatever he wants to do. He's going to do what you believe. Well, I don't want that to be. That's the way it is. It's called a covenant. It's a deal. It's an agreement. You bring faith, I bring power. You bring no faith, sorry, dude. Why don't God do something? Why? Well, you didn't even tell him what you wanted. Well, why shouldn't have to? What? That's not how it works. A covenant, you got to look at the deal. How does the deal work? How does the deal work? you got to bring faith. You can't even go to heaven without faith. Jesus, it's true he went to the cross. It's true he paid for the sin of all mankind. That's true. But it doesn't affect you until you come into faith. I was raised in church. I heard the gospel a thousand times. One day I heard it. One day it like made sense. I heard it and I believed in it kind of. I didn't disagree with it. But it wasn't personal until I heard it. And when I saw it, I was like, Who was, how, was this? how did I miss this all this time? So even your own salvation, going to heaven is about a single thing, you coming into faith. And everything in God's kingdom is like that. Jesus made sure the woman with the issue of blood that's been suffering 12 years, bleeding all the time, spent all her money on doctors. She pressed through the crowd and she kept saying to herself, I know if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And she touched the hem of his garment. She pressed through the crowd, dragged through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and immediately the blood dried up and she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples said, are you serious? Everybody's touching you. This is a crowd. You know, it's like being in a Saints game. Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, 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 somebody touched me, and I felt virtue go out of me. Now, what a powerful concept. That this didn't even have to do with the will of God. Some say, well, whatever the will of God is, wait, this, this doesn't have to do with the will of God. He's like, who did it? Somebody drew virtue from Jesus just because they had some faith. I mean, Jesus was like, what happened? Who did that? I suspect he knew who it was, but he is a, he's a teaching moment here. And he's letting you know that stop trying to say, well, it's just going to be up to the Lord. It's nothing to do with me. No, no, no. That's not how it works. You're 50% in this thing. You've got to bring faith. He's going to bring power. You've got something to bring. And some, some people just don't want to exercise themselves into faith. And so rather than go to all the trouble, they just be, you know, become a victim in their eyes. Like, well, I'm just going to try the best I can. Okay. Do the best you can. That's not bad. But it won't bring power. It won't bring virtue into your life. And so he, she finally just confesses. It was me. I touched you. He was trembling and crying. And he said, he said, woman, don't be afraid. Your faith made you well. Now, why is Jesus talking this way if faith is not important? If it's not important that this woman, whatever reason, she stumbled upon something that she was here, Jesus was there. She said, my faith is going to get me from here to there because I know something. I've seen it. You know how it is. You know, before you, you know, when you're thinking about going to the mall or playing basketball, you got to sit down and think, can I see myself doing that? You know, you're watching TV. No, I think I'm just going to watch TV today. But when the money is like, I think I'm going hunting. And then you start seeing yourself, getting your stuff, and pretty soon you're up and doing it. See, there is a moment that you come into this idea that I'm, gonna, I'm doing this thing. She came into a moment of faith. She said, I know what's going to happen. There's a huge crowd. I'll probably get trampled under the crowd. I am weak. 
I've got all the excuses in the world to just stay here and feel sorry for myself. But I've made up my mind. My faith is bigger than that obstacle in front of me. And I kept saying to myself, she kept saying, what does that mean? She kept believing something that hadn't happened yet. She kept believing something enough to say it. She kept, she didn't say it to anybody. She just said it to herself. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. She started getting some I know. That's what you need. Not some I hope, I want. You need some I know. That's what faith says. I know if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. I'm not going to try to be healed. I'm not wondering if I'm going to be healed. And she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the crowd. And when she pressed through the crowd, she touched him. And at that moment, bam, just like she believed. And Jesus said, listen, this wasn't me that healed you. Now, look, everybody knows it, the power came out of Jesus. And God is good. And I'm not taking away from how wonderful Jesus is. But he didn't say, I healed you. He said, your faith made you well. He said, faith was, your, your healing was always a potential. I needed you to respond to that promise. And I needed you to take some action on that promise and actually do something about what you believe. Are you with me? That's not even my sermon, but I want to, I want to do it. Before you go any further, you got to want to come into the realm of faith because nobody comes into faith by accident. And this woman had a moment where the Holy Spirit inspired her to do something she didn't even know about. But you can live in the realm of faith by understanding if I abide in him and his words abide in me, I'm going to ask what I want and God is going to do it for me. How many believe what Jesus said? Jesus said that. Jesus said it. But the issue is not anything you want I'll do for you. He said if you abide in me, if my words abide in you. So there's something about the constancy of abiding in God's truth and abiding in God's presence that causes an activation of God's purpose and God's desire in your life. When you're in the word and in the presence, suddenly, suddenly you're not a lazy bone spiritual person. You suddenly, bam, something hits you, some Zoe, bam, something hits you, you say, you know what, I'm believing God. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Suddenly you get activated. Not the first time you read the Bible, not the first time you came to church, but at some point, bam, something went off in you and said, wait a second, something good's going to happen in my life. This is the result of you saying, I'm not visiting God, I'm abiding with him. I'm moving in. I'm not just visiting him on Sunday mornings. I'm going to live in his presence. I'm going to live in his promises. And guess what? I'm going to have what his promises are in my life. (laughs) I know, I'm screaming a lot this morning. It just feels right. Envision the promises. That's what happens. When you read the promises and we are abiding in his presence, you begin to envision the general promises in your specific situation. You begin to envision healing in your life. Envision you're out of debt. Envision you're out of that crazy depression. You begin to begin to see your life through the lens of God's promises. But you got to be willing to practice the presence of God. And it's not, look, I'm just honest truth. That's not an easy thing. Life just says, hey, let's just get realistic and do your best. That's like low, lowest common denominator. you got to jump out of that. you gotta, you got to begin to practice something you're not used to. you got to be willing to be awkward. You know, have you ever seen somebody <laughs> you know, try to learn to ride, like, skate or something? It's hilarious. I love it. There's something about people falling down that just makes me happy. How about you? You're just like, hey, the way they fall down, I hope they didn't get hurt, but, man, that was funny. I can watch videos of people falling down all day. I just, 
like people on snow and ice, it's just like awesome. Like, hey, play that back again. Look at that guy. <laughs> There's something that we avoid being awkward, don't we? We don't like awkward friendships. Those of you that go on the first date, you hate the first date because, like, at the end, you don't know to kiss or not kiss, kiss or not kiss. I'm awkward. We try to avoid awkward friendships and awkward situations because we don't like that feeling. But let me tell you something. If you want to come in faith, you got to start off practicing awkwardly. If you're trying to be cool and spiritual and sound right, you ain't going to sound right the first time. you got to begin to practice the presence of God. you got to practice the promises of God. You don't get good at this by accident. It's because you begin to apply yourself doing some things that you're not used to doing. Well, I don't want to do it that way. You ain't going to have it then. God is not changing the rules for you. God's not going to someday, now Sunday, just at, at, at one day, he's not just going to say, you know what? You're such a dingbat, I'm just going to feel sorry for you and do something. I'm going to change all the rules just for you. I'm going to change the covenant because I'm just, yeah, you're so pitiful, I just feel sorry for you. He's not changing the rules. You're going to do it his way. How many of you were raised with a parent like that? I had a mama and a daddy. Oh, they weren't changing the rules for me. I had to come in at rules. If I wanted food and a place to sleep, those rules, they suddenly became important to me. Come on, somebody. Am I right? Well, that's the way it is in God's kingdom. He has a covenant, and you're either going to operate in his covenants, or you're not operating in the covenant. It's a deal. you got to come into the realm of faith, and he's going to help you. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. He's giving you his promises, but if you're just lazy, you ain't coming into faith. If you're worried about being awkward or embarrassed or trying and failing, you're going to fail. There's going to be some times you believe something that's just going to fall on your face. So what? you got to make up your mind. Look. Uh, these big shoes, I, saw, I had a picture of my, my grandson Noah trying on my shoes, you know, not these shoes, but some shoes of mine, and I said, uh, I captured it on Facebook, I said, no, they don't fit yet, but keep walking in them, they're going to fit soon. And that's the way it is when you begin to walk in faith, you put on these shoes that don't fit, you look a little awkward, you don't know how to talk, you don't know exactly how to do it, but you know what, you strut around in those shoes like I'm going to be like my daddy one day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. I'm going to do things I, I didn't think I could do before. Look, they don't look, uh, everybody's laughing right now, but they won't be laughing soon because they're sitting around on the outside of this thing. I'm going into this thing and I'm going to live this life. Oh, you ought to shout if you believe it. Do you believe it? There's a vital connection between constancy in his word and his presence and God-inspired desires. You can't even want to do something until you've been in God's presence. Suddenly, you know, something you've been putting up with, this marriage that's a wreck, your finances, that's a wreck, your yard's a wreck, your refrigerator's a wreck, your kids are a wreck. And at some point in God's presence, you find that there's an order and you begin to get a desire like, i got to get this together. I'm putting up with some things I shouldn't be putting up with. I'm talking like I shouldn't be talking, feeling like I shouldn't be feeling. I'm dealing with addiction. I'm dealing with all these crazy things. And, and, uh, and a holy uh, irritation says, I'm not settling for it. That came from God. I was talking to a young man uh, at our men's breakfast the other day, and he was talking about his life, and he, he might be here today. It's not embarrassing. But, uh, but he, you know, I could tell he's graduated school, he wants to be a success, and he, I said, look, man, and he's struggling where he is in life right now, and he's not happy about where he is, because he's not working the job he wants to work, not making the money, he doesn't have a relationship that he wants, and I said, look, man, here's the deal, you know what makes you a success? It's that fire inside of you that says, I'm not accepting this. 
that right there, that's where success comes. Something inside of you that says, it's a mess, but it ain't going to stay a mess. It's a mess right now, but I'm not accepting this forever. I know that God has better than I'm living right now, and I'm just not going to put. That comes from being in God's presence. That comes from being in God's presence. You get around God, and you realize God has a lot better for you than you had for yourself. And you're settling for a lot less than what God has planned. Now, if you don't have your Bible, look at Genesis 13, verse 14. And we're going to receive miracles today. How many, ready to have, how many believe Jesus is still a miracle Jesus? Hey, today, this is a miracle day for you. It's a miracle day. You didn't just come to church. It's a, it's a moment. Every time you get around Jesus and he's here. Every time you get around Jesus, there's an opportunity for everything to be different. And he's, this is not just church. This is God's presence. When I speak about Jesus and anybody speaks about Jesus, suddenly Jesus the presence of Jesus comes, and he's here. And we're going to have communion in a few minutes. But that's going to be a moment of miracle. Some of you are going to receive healing. Some of you are going to receive deliverance. Some of you, that depression is going to get out of your life, and you're going to have a brand new start before you leave this building today because he's here. He hasn't changed. you got to be like that woman with the issue of blood. Like, uh-uh. I know when I take that communion today, something's going to happen in my life. That thing I've been struggling with, it's going to get broke off my life. That thing I've been trying to get out of my mind, it's going to get out of my mind permanently. That thing that's been keeping me in bondage, it's breaking off my life. That's the best part of church. Jesus is here. <laughs> I mean, you're nice, but you're not Jesus. I mean, I like you and everything, but I'd much rather have Jesus. Or both of you. Genesis 13 says this, verse 14. This is God exercising Abraham and saying, you're going to have to practice this. In order to come into faith, I'm going to have to get you to practice something. So God, because he wants Abraham to be the father of those who walk by faith, he begins to tutor him in the elements of coming into faith. And so for all of us, God says, I know you're, just at, you're in first grade right now or kindergarten. But you know what? We're going to start practicing, and when we finish practicing, we're going to become what Jesus said we are. So don't be discouraged by where you are. Just get in the game. Come on. It doesn't matter. Believe me, most people are not going to even try it. But God brings Abraham, and here we're going to read it here, Genesis 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever and what a promise and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth and if a man could number the dust of the earth then your descendants also could be numbered arise walk in the land through its length and its width for I will give it to you everybody say that's a promise Look, God is motivating him, saying, look, you, all your children, now I know you don't have any kids, and you're getting old, and you're discouraged about not having any kids, but your kids are going to be like the dust of the earth. You're just going to have to see it first. And the reason you are where you are is because what you see and you don't see. You'll accept anything if you don't see something better. Right? Thank God Mariah hasn't married anybody yet. Because, look, she's about to, come on, somebody. She's about to see something much better than she has seen before. It's a little sideline. I'm always trying to get people married. 
And we were walking through it, but I want you to understand that God says, we're going to have to practice. I'm going to have to get you to start. I'm going to have to motivate you to start using your holy imagination so you can see something that right now is just not true. You don't have squat. You don't own any land. You don't have any kids. But I want you to begin to imagine the land that your kid is going to live in, that your children, and your, I want you to imagine it's yours. I mean, it's like going on a car dealership and God say, pick out which one you want. And you're like, seriously? Which one's the most expensive? Because God has said, look, I, if you can see it, I'm going to give it to you. Now listen, if that doesn't motivate you, this is the rule of faith. If you can see it, you can have it. If you, the reason you aren't a leader, the reason you don't have a business, the reason your marriage is where it is, the reason your children are where they are, because you don't see something better. But if you could see it, you could have it. Wait, that sounds like that song. If I could see it. What's the name of the song? I believe I can fly. Somebody's got it right there. I could do it if we'll just believe it. And really, it's true. You got to begin to see. So let me just roll through a couple of these things. I only got a couple of minutes. But let me roll through a couple of these because I feel like I need to say this again. The first thing you need to understand is God sometimes has to remove. No, let me say it this way. God must remove good things so that you can see God things. The Bible says after Lot had left him, he saw. God had to help him see by removing some good things so he could have God things. Some relationships that you think is good things, it's the only thing keeping you from God things. Well, I, ain't nothing wrong with me, well, you know, getting drunk on the weekend. Ain't nothing wrong with me doing this. Ain't nothing wrong. Those compromises, you don't know how much they're costing you. I'm still mad at him. I ain't forgiving him. I'm, and I'm, God ain't even going to tell me what to do. I'm just mad right now. And you don't realize you got to get rid of something before you can see something. you got to get rid of something you think is good. Lot was Abraham's nephew, and the only remnant of his family that he brought with him he, it was good to have a, a young man with him. He was helpful, and there was a lot of logical reasons because he loved him. But little compromises can cost you your future. Marry the wrong guy. Marry the wrong girl. Let some little habit stand between you and what God has. Some little bitterness, some little anger stand between you and God. And it seems so real and so valuable until you let it go. And when you let it go, then you can see what you couldn't see before. Small compromises have big price tags. Thanks for the music. Everybody thinks it's almost over. Number two, vision is from, not at. Faith focuses you away from the circumstances and onto the promises. The Bible says, God told Abraham, look from the place where you are. Many people, their problem is they're too busy looking at where they are to see from where they are. God doesn't care where you're starting at. God cares about where you're going. It doesn't matter what you have right now. It matters what you're doing with what you have. God is not interested in your past. He's not even interested in what's going on and how bad the thing is right now. God wants you to tell him what's coming. God wants you to describe what he's going to do. God wants you to enter into these promises and say, stop telling me about where you are right now. Stop telling me you don't have any children. You don't have any money. You don't have any whatever. Stop. God said, I already knew that. I just need you to tell me what's coming. I need you to tell me what I promised you. I need you to look out here and stop looking here. 
Vision must be, number three, vision must be clear and comprehensive. He said, look to the north, south, east, and west. Now listen closely. I wanna, I'm going to have to finish with this. Look north, south. It has to be clear and comprehensive. In other words, you don't want to have a great business life and you have a rotten spiritual life. You don't have all the money in the world and you don't even know God. You don't want to have a great ministry and your own children go to hell. You don't want to have a, a great business and lose your marriage. That's why vision has to be north, south, east, and west. God said, you tell me how far you can see, that's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to go ahead and throw in point number four because it fits in so perf perfect. Vision must stretch the limits. What can you see in your marriage right now? Well, we, we like each other. Sometimes we want to kill each other, but pretty much I think we're going to make it. Okay. I think you could do better than that. What about seeing this? What about seeing being in love? I mean, really in love. Like kissing and stuff. I'm talking to older people, you know what I mean? They quit kissing five years ago, ten years ago. Like, we don't even kiss. Start doing it again. Who knows? And what about your finances? Well, I'm making it. You can do better than that. God said, if you can see it, you can have it. Let me just give you point number five. It's free. Seeing is possessing. Seeing, if you could see it, you could have it. Your problem is you're not seeing it. If you abide in God's presence, you can suddenly see something much better than you have right now. Much better in your children, much better in your ministry, much better in your life. This is where God is calling you. He's saying, come here. Now listen, I only said this this morning. I want to emphasize this and we're going to receive communion. It's going to be a time of miracles right now. But I, I want you to understand, God is telling Abraham, now listen close. God is telling, he said, Abraham, you got to practice with me. Come up here and just start looking. And, and I'm, if you can see it, you can have it, Abraham. And I want you to work it. I want you to work it. It's not natural for people to begin to use, to envision the promises of God. It's something that God has to bring you out. Now, look, we're going to practice. We're going to practice. And God said, told Abraham, he said, we're going to practice again tonight. Come out of that tent. Now, look at the stars and count them now. I don't want to count them. Just do it. I don't feel like doing it. It's not spiritual. Just do what I'm telling you. you got to do wax on, wax off. You're not going to be good at this at first, but you got to start getting used to stop looking at the way things are and start using your holy imagination that's inspired by the Word of God and start begin to tell God what it's going to be like. Begin to reach out from where you are and begin to go somewhere else in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Some people are so busy using their imagination for fear, using their imagination for lust, using their imagination for every other kind of negative thing, rather than using their holy ability to see something before it happens to bring the promises into their life. Begin to envision. That's why when you abide in these promises and His Word abides in you, you begin to envision your kids different than they are. Envision your finances different, your ministry different. And begin to envision everything. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Listen, you want to come into the realm of faith, you're going to have to see something. I can't see it for you. Coming to church ain't going to get it done. You're going to have to say, you know what, it feels weird, but I'm going to keep doing it. You have control over your imagination. How you see your future. Nobody else is controlling you. You're the only one who can say what's playing in your theater right now. And if you've got failure in your theater, that's all you're going to have in your life. If you've got discouragement in your theater, that's all that's going to play in your life. 
If you've got doubt, unbelief, fear playing on your theater, if you've got lust and immorality, that's all you're going to have in your life. Nobody can change that but you. You've got to decide. The only thing playing on my theater is God's victory and God's love and God's promises and all the things that God promised I could have. That's the only thing showing in this theater tonight. Well, good, can I just do some bummed out? No. We don't have any horror flicks playing. Come on, somebody. We don't have any bummed out flicks. We don't have any depressing flicks. Only thing playing on this imagination here is the promises of God. I'm abiding in Him. His Word is abiding in me. I'm asking what I want, and God is doing it. You didn't know you were spiritual, but you are spiritual. But you're going to have to practice a little bit tonight. Matter of fact, when we receive communion in a moment, we're going to believe that your holy imagination becomes sanctified, that you're not going to think about sad, depressing defeating things anymore. You're going to sanctify this gift that you have to go out and say, this is what's coming to my life. But what if I get, no, no, what if I fail? We don't play that. Listen, I sang that song, one of the reasons is because if bad things happen. Is that going to steal your ability to dream? You're just going to become discouraged and negative? So what things don't work out? Hey, does that mean I'm going to stop dreaming? This poor woman was 12 years discouraged. Abraham was 25 years before the promise came. He had to face a disappointment every single month when his wife wasn't pregnant. But he said, you know what? <laughs> he said, God that promised me, he's faithful who will also do it. I don't know. It didn't happen yet, but it's going to happen. I'm not going to give up my ability to dream just because I face some downside. I face some setbacks. I'm not going to let those setbacks become the mark of my life. I'm going to dream. Come on, somebody. There's all, <laughs> this is for you, and this is your life. And I want you to be like that woman with the issue of blood. Say, so you know what? We're going to take communion today, and all of that darkness is going to wash out of my life. And when I receive the blood of Jesus in my life, and I receive the word of God, that's going to be the beginning of something new. I'm going to begin to dream God's dreams. I'm going to begin to declare God's promises. I'm going to begin to live in God's reality, not in mine, not in what was handed down to me, not what TV says. I'm going to begin to live in what God puts on my screen, and I'm going to begin to dream about conquering, dream about overcoming. This is what makes you a human being and not an animal. You have the ability to get up from where you are, look from the place where you are and say, I see it, and it's coming to my life. Come and wave at me a little bit. Are you right? Are you right? <laughs> Man, I'm happy I came to church because I just preached myself happy. <laughs> I was already happy, to tell you the truth, but I'm happier. So what we're going to do is have these precious ushers. They're going to come here to the front. And we're going to end the service today. Church is fun, right? And you can change. You can change. You can change. You can change your way of thinking. You can change, what does repent mean? It means change your way of thinking. Don't think that way. Thank you, man. Now, you're going to stand, if everybody would stand up with me, and from the front to the back, we're going to go out from the front row to the back row. We're going to go to your left, and you're just going to hold on to these, and we're going to take it together at the end. We are receiving Jesus. That's what communion is. Receive Jesus into your body, into your soul, into your spirit, 
receive Jesus. Freedom. 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 It's like taking medicine. Take it long enough, take communion long enough, everything's going to change. You get more and more Jesus inside of you. More and more the presence of God inside of you. That's what communion is. Saying, look, I want Jesus in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want the promises. I want his word. I want his presence inside of me. I want his joy. I want his dreams, and I'm just going to receive it. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He found a way to get himself in you. He said, this is my blood and this is my flesh. I'm going to get myself inside of you. You're a mess. I'm going to get me inside of you. How about that? That's a pretty good deal, right? Today you're going to release your faith and you're going to get Jesus inside of you. That's what communion is. Jesus' heart. Jesus' attitude. Jesus' presence. Jesus' power is inside of you. And you're going to receive, this is not religious. This is not religious. It's an actual miracle. Jesus left us with a miracle so that we can envision the cross. We can envision his blood. We can envision his broken body. And we can understand that all the promises are ours because of what Jesus did. That's how faith works. Faith works because you begin to envision the promises of God in you. That's what communion is. Remembering and envisioning the greatness of God and the goodness of God. And everybody's welcome. You don't have to be a church member. You're welcome to receive Jesus. I love what Jesus said. Whosoever will, let him come. Whoever wants to. Right now, the, the arms of Jesus are wide open. Say, so look, I'm, I'm ready to pour out on you. If you just open up your hearts, everything's going to change. Now, don't be stubborn. Let go of that old thing and receive something new. Let go of the old and receive something new today. So precious. So precious. I love these people. You're just awesome. Man, church is, I'm changing my mind. Church is really awesome with you here. <laughs> just with Jesus, it was good, but it's better with you and Jesus. That's all right. He's got a, I like it. He's got a flashlight. He's helping out. He was saying, it's too dark in here. Precious, precious, precious. Jesus was not about religion or ritual. He left us this because this is actual. Can you guys say the word with me? Say actual. Genuine. See, Jesus said, for my flesh is meat indeed. Well, that's King James what it means. He said, my flesh is real. This is not a symbol. This is not some kind of a religion. He said, this is real. You're receiving me. And he said, in my blood, it's really drink. It's not some fake, phony, religious thing. He said, my, my blood, it's real. It's real drink. You're going to really drink because your problem is on the inside. You don't need to just change the outside. God's got to get himself inside of you. That's what communion is. God's saying, I'm going to change you from the inside out. Are you with me? If you don't mind, just take the bread because this is, represents the broken word, the manna that came down from heaven. This is his flesh that was broken. He's the word that came down. And today I've been breaking it down for you. But you have to decide if you receive it. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Father, thank you in Jesus' name 
for the body of Jesus. Thank you for your word. I receive it. I believe all the words that you've been speaking to me. I've been listening today. And I've been understanding that I'm living way below what you have planned for me. And all I can do is say I receive your word. Come on. Say, I believe on the cross. You paid the penalty for all of my careless sin. All of my selfishness. You paid for it. You died. And you rose from the dead. I believe it. I receive your word. That your word has the power to revolutionize my life. And I receive it. I know I can't change myself. But I receive you in me. Your words, your thoughts, your emotion, your point of view, your attitude. I receive it as I take this bread. I receive eternal life. I believe you paid for it. And I receive it. I receive abundant life. I believe you give it. And I just receive it right now. I release my faith. And I receive your power. Like the woman with the issue of blood. I'm saying to myself right now. I know when I receive this communion, everything is changing in my life. And when I change, everything is going to change. Father, bless this bread as we take it. Let it be miraculous in our life. Let it change the way we think, feel, and act. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's take it. Receive the promises of God. They're yours and they're inside of you. The promises of God are not in a book somewhere. They're inside of you. Not only in a book. They're inside of you right now. And they're working inside of you. A holy frustration. You're not going to accept what you accepted before. You're not going to live like you lived before. Something inside of you is saying, you're better than this. God has better for you. And you're, it's going to begin to work in you. The Bible says it was sweet in my mouth but bitter in my stomach. It was easy to receive, but then God began to say, don't accept these things that the enemies put on you. And right now, a holy frustration is rising up in you because his word is beginning to work inside of you. Now, take the cup because this is the blood of Jesus. And the blood that he shed is the most powerful element on planet earth. It's the most powerful element in eternity, the blood of Jesus. And when this blood touches your blood... It's going to get to the root of the problem. Every promise that he made is purchased with the blood. Every promise, and you're going to receive this blood. Because the nature is in the blood. The nature of faith is in the blood of Jesus. Instead of you struggling to, to try to be a good person or struggling not to be bitter or afraid or full of doubt, God is going to change your nature because the blood of Jesus is going inside of you. And his blood is touching your blood and his nature is touching. Receive his new nature because you're receiving his blood inside of you. Say it with me. Say the blood of Jesus is about to touch my blood. 
And when his blood touches my blood, I'm going to feel different. My instincts are going to be different. My impulses are going to be different. Come on, say it over your life. Say, I declare that the blood of Jesus spells the end of the enemy's reign in my life. Say, by the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. By the blood of Jesus, say it like you mean it. I've been delivered from all the power of the enemy. As I walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus is constantly cleansing all my sin. By the blood of Jesus, I'm justified. When he looks at me, it's just as if I'd never sinned. By the blood of Jesus, I'm sanctified and set apart for my divine purpose. I receive his blood. It's the power of God for change, for salvation, for all the promises in my life. Now listen, right now, just want you to close your eyes because you're going to envision the promise of God. I believe some of you that have had a chronic depressing tendency, you're going to receive the blood of Jesus. And right now, I want you to see this. If you can see it, you can have it. That when you receive this blood, that addiction to depressing thoughts is broken in your life. I want you to see it. And I want you to, some of you are addicted to pornography. And it's become a pattern in your life. And you've lived in shame and defeat. Listen, you're going to believe that the blood of Jesus right now breaks that addiction to those wrong images and wrong thoughts. You're no longer going to justify that. For any reason, right now, the blood of Jesus, when you're going to believe it, can you see it? Right now, the blood of Jesus breaks the power of perversion off your life. You're not going to have that tendency. It's not going to be something that you want because the blood of Jesus right now is about to be released into your life. Those of you, many of you have had addictions to, to um, uh, prescription drugs and to other drugs, and you've justified it, some with alcohol and some with other uh, substances, and you've justified it because you say, I need it, and you made excuses. When you receive the blood of Jesus today, the moment the blood of Jesus hit, a miracle is going to happen. When it hits your body, your, your physical and mental addiction is going to be broken by the blood of Jesus. Can you see that? Can you see that some of you are sick? Some of you have a problem in your back, in your lower back, and the Holy Spirit, the minute you receive the blood of Jesus, that problem is going to be healed. Can you see that? Just receive it. I saw it was high blood pressure and um, this triglyceride thing, this, this thing. Can you believe that when the blood of Jesus touches your blood, all of that plaque, all of that stuff is being cleared out in your life and your, your health is coming to you? Can you see it? That's how powerful the blood is, and it, it's available right now. But like the woman at the, with the issue of blood, you have to keep saying to yourself, I know, I know when I take this communion, I know it's over. It's over. That depression, that sadness, that rage, that bitterness, that drawing back to the world, it's broken when you receive the blood of Jesus. Father, thank you for this blood. Thank you. It's more powerful than anything else. And thank you, you shed it to save us and deliver us. Bless this cup as we take it. Let it be salvation. Let it be deliverance. Let it be healing to each one today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said.
Come on, let's receive it. Free. Free. Right now, every chain is broken. Every chain is broken. The chain of an old relationship is broken. The emotions, the destructive emotions are broken off of your life. Destructive emotions, excuses are washed away. Freedom in Jesus' name. If you don't mind, before we leave, just lift your hands to Jesus because you're receiving a miracle. You need it. Don't be prideful. It's just, I need it. Just lift your hands and say, Lord Jesus, I receive a miracle. It begins in my life right now in Jesus' name. Everything changes right now in Jesus' name. Father, these that raise their hand right now, let the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them. Jesus, become the Lord of their life. Let every part of their life, their home, their finances, their thoughts, their romance, every part of their life, we declare it comes under the Lordship of Jesus. And let the glory of God come upon them. Let all around them say, I can't believe how you look. Something's happened in your life. Let the glory of God come upon each one of them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Come on, give God a shout, everybody. Love y'all.